Kyle, I'm going to let you flip the coin. Heads, ninjas. Tails, pirates. Pirates it is, Kyle. And why don't you look at that coin I gave you? The trick coin. Both sides are tails, and I wanted to have a pirate adventure. Kyle, I'm sorry for deceiving you. I don't like doing that, but that's just how it all played out this time. Pirate adventure, Kyle. We need one. As a unit. Not just the two of us, but everybody. The Darby Cast doctors. Our friends, neighbors. From faraway places. And the close proximity to our hearts. That's what the Darby Cast doctors are. They could be far away, but still near and dear. Kyle, that is a great way to kick off a pirate's life. A pirate's journey. Avoid Davy Jones' locker. Take a trip with Moby Dick. Right? Call me Ishmael, Kyle. That's it. But DarbyCast, Wild Card Friday. And yes, we are definitely going to do a pirate's journey. For those of you who are wondering what this podcast is all about, you're obviously new. And you're joining us on a very great day. Because it's not every day that we take to the high seas. In fact, we, uh, we've been doing a lot of land navigation as of late. I say that as if we do a lot of adventures and this is some kind of podcast where we just, you know, go for it. But if I'm being totally forthright with you, we do go places. We've been to the stars with Elon Musk. We've been to the Middle Ages with Christina Aguilera. We've been to the bottom of the ocean, Mariana's Trench. Also with Elon Musk, but with James Cameron as well. We've been to the North Pole with Santa Claus, who was really upset at AOC. We have been so many places in this show's short history. And the fact that you're joining us for a sea voyage is pretty cool. In this scenario, which is going to be as real as scurvy. It's a vitamin C deficiency that is no joke. You will assume the rank of quartermaster on the pirate ship. This pirate ship is huge. Spanish galleon. We commandeered it from a bunch of Spaniards and we treated them like garbage. And we're like, sorry, guys, we're going to be needing this. Adios, enemies. I don't know the Spanish word for enemies, but no problems with adios, enemies. Yeah, think about who you would want on your pirate crew. Because when we use our imaginations, there are no limits to who you can recruit to a pirate crew. Also, I'm going to give you a couple key hints on how to present yourself as a quartermaster. You know, back in the 1600s in Tortuga, the pirates were not that clever at naming themselves. It was really on the nose. You had Blackbeard, you had Redbeard. And then it's like, all right, well, what are the lanes are open? And I think a lot of people got checkmated out of their beard color nicknames just in a heartbeat. Boy, that had to wreck a lot of careers. You imagine being a kid growing up in Tortuga and you're like, one of these days, I'm going to grow a beard. And then somebody just cuts you off and says like, yeah, you grow the beard out, but like, your piece of shit. Yeah, that kid's dreams would just be dashed in a heartbeat. As soon as the pirate crew comes to port and 
a big ruffian black beard looks down at the kid and he's like, I have the best nickname. You're stupid. And like, he never would have interacted with the kid before. No context to it really, but the kid would get the message and then he would probably be an upstanding citizen. After that, he'd be like, you know what? Piracy is not for me. If I can't have the nickname, that's the point. But what a failure of imagination by that kid, right? It's like, geez, get some friends, you know, like have somebody that inspires you in your life. Where's your teacher at the local Tortugan schoolyard? Mr. Scuttledeck. That would be his name. Where was Scuttledeck at a time like that? We could have used him or that kid could have used him. I don't care about this kid. Somebody else's responsibility. But let's talk about your nickname because it's important. The beard options are not open. I took a while to say something that I could have described quite succinctly. But also, you got a great opportunity to hear about how Scuttledeck was nowhere to be found and he was just letting kids down left and right. Tortuga was full of a bunch of aimless children. No wonder that economy collapsed. Did you take a little interest in your students, Scuttdeck? Piece of garbage. What's up with the Tortuga Teachers Union? Bureaucratic red tape. Everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. Disgusting. But let's talk about your nickname. Because my nickname, I'm the captain of the ship. And some of you right now are saying to yourselves, I want to be the first mate. Come on. Let me be your right-hand man. Or let me be your right-hand lady. I respect that ambition. But you can't do that. Because the position's been filled by ex-wrestler China, who goes by the handle of Treasure Chest. A little double entendre, a little pirate action for you. You has got big cans, and we're searching for treasure. That's a slam dunk. Do you think she came up with that herself? Absolutely not. I bestowed that upon her. Said, here, China. China! You're now Treasure Chest. And this is like peak China, right? Still really disgusting looking and like way overgrown. And it's like, China, what did your parents feed you? Now, seriously, though, what, what was that diet like? Just applesauce and research chemicals? What else could it have been to make a lady like six foot ten and built like a house? But yeah, that's why she's my first mate now, isn't it? Also, take into account, this is going down in the 1600s. So what did we use to get there? quartermaster of mine, a time machine. Yes, the very same time machine that I mentioned when we went back to the Middle Ages in episode 62, Napalm and Gatorade, a converted aircraft carrier. But remember, we left Christina Aguilera in the Middle Ages. She is no longer with us. That's why I picked up WWF Sensation, because she wrestled before the lawsuit with the World Wildlife Foundation. WWF Sensation, China. A.K.A. Treasure Chest. How eager are the Darby Cast doctors to get their specialty-issued nickname? Probably very. Probably a bunch of eager beavers. If you're a dude, your name is Stabby Pete. I don't care if your name's not Peter or whether you know what you're doing with a knife. You are Stabby Pete. Ladies, you will be going by the nickname of Wench McGench and... You don't have to be a gal of ill repute to be Wench McGinch. It's just the nickname. You can do what you want with it, but these don't have to be your personalities. Your nickname doesn't define you, right? 
like treasure chests. China does other stuff than just exist with huge cans, right? And be present for the big halls of treasure. She does other stuff. Your nickname isn't everything about you, right? Some of you right now are scratching your head and you're saying, well, what's your nickname, Captain? I like that. I like that you're just going straight for it and you're ready to hear more about your commander-in-chief, your CEO of this pirate business. Commodore, positive mental attitude. I know it doesn't quite roll off the tongue, but that is what I'm about. Your nickname doesn't necessarily define you, but mine does. That's kind of what makes me captain and you, eh, we'll say like third or fourth in command. You're above the chef, but boy, are you nowhere near leadership. Not yet, at least. But remember, this is an adventure. This is an adventure. Some of you, a bunch of wise asses, are saying, wait a second. We go back in time in an aircraft carrier to Tortuga, and we're not using the aircraft carrier powered by nuclear reactors. And talk about you being on the wrong pirate ship, if that is your attitude. You're the kind of person who never beat a video game outright. You used cheat codes from the moment you fired up your system. You pulled out Nintendo power, and all of a sudden, you had all the cheats. And when your friends came over to your house, they were like, oh, it's kind of cool. But deep down, you knew that when they left, they told their moms like, yeah, remember my friend I told you about that I thought was pretty cool? No good crook. So low ethics. I'm never going back to that house. Not after what I saw. Person's looking for a fast track to success. I don't want to be associated with somebody who doesn't understand hard work. One day, Timmy's going to grow up, be an adult and realize that there aren't any cheat codes to success. So don't be Timmy, right? So if your name is Timmy and you're listening to this podcast right now, even if you aren't kind of the cheat code person, I want to just ask you to leave right away. Get out. Just split, honestly. We don't like you. We don't need you. Not for a second. But now that we've got this established, Commodore, positive mental attitude, treasure chest, and either Stabby Pete or Wench McGench. That's really a power trio right there. Entirely well-equipped from a personnel standpoint to have a Caribbean odyssey. Go around defeating foes and taking their rum and then selling the rum because we don't get tanked. That's not our brand. We are in it for the love of the game. And yeah, to the victor go the spoils, but when can you really call victory in the game of piracy? It's a direction, not a destination. You understand? That is piracy. It's a lifestyle, not a bunch of check boxes, right? You don't say like, oh yeah, we took down four pirate ships. That was on my to-do list. Yeah, scratch that one off. Oh yeah, we got a treasure chest. Uh, found a ruby the size of a grapefruit. Yeah, put a little star next to that one and and scribble it out. If that's your vibe, boy, do you just not understand the first thing about piracy. And I'm talking about old school piracy. I'm not talking about having a janky speedboat. Boy, what a loser lifestyle that is. There's no honor in that lifestyle. AK-47, hard pass. Give me a cutlass and you take a rapier. Those are swords. Those are different kinds of swords. Let's blast some grape shot into the broadside of a schooner. That's doing it right. That's doing it right. We are competitors. Always have been, always will be. That's 
the pirate code. I bring you up to speed on our pirate code on the ship so you can decide whether you want to attempt a mutiny that will quickly be overturned with force, a lot of force. I will take no mutinous rapscallions aboard this vessel. Boy, do you need to just get lost. Hit the streets of Tortuga, go to a whorehouse and get syphilis and die. Stage four. Stage four syphilis. I think that was going on in a huge way in Tortuga. I don't know specifically, but you would get it. If you thought a mutiny was in your realm of capabilities, boy, would that just hit you quick. Okay. So time travel, we're here. The year 1693. You are feeling good. You're looking good. Think about when you were in the best shape of your life. And I hope that's literally today. I hope every single day for you. You wake up and you look in the mirror and you're like, whoa, what the heck is going on? Who's that over there in the mirror? Kind of surprise yourself a little bit. No problems there. But that's you in this scenario. 1693, you are yoked. You're the quartermaster. You keep the normal pirates. It's kind of the big who gives a fucks of the ship. I mean, they yeah, sure. They help run the, they, they do a lot of manual labor, but they're not thinking people. You are in charge of them and you are a strict disciplinarian. Could you do such a thing if you were not entirely yoked? Lean. I'm not talking about being a strapping mesomorph. I need you to be a lean ectomorph in terms of the body type. If you're an endomorph, if your body type is soggy marshmallow, again, I'm not going to ask you to leave. Go get syphilis and tortuga. We don't need you. But put yourself in the best shape of your life. We are preparing for a journey. We're in the dock. And then some authorities come up. And I give you a hard look and I give you my industry standard, powerful wink. And you know exactly what that means. So the authorities, they're coming up and they're saying like, tally ho, I don't recognize this vessel. And because you received the wink, you just take out a pair of pistols and start blasting. And that's what we love about you most is that you are guns blazing first, ask questions later. That's what we need on this pirate ship. Good old treasure chest is just posting up, putting out the vibe, looking pretty good. Wind's blowing her hair everywhere. And a lot of people are like, is she actually a dude maybe? And I'm like, I don't know. Just honestly don't ask because I am not going to investigate that. Some more of these pencil pushing lawmen start showing up and you're handling all of them. You're a quick shot, but more importantly, you reload quickly. A lot of people know this about you and that's a big deal. Being a quick reloader back then, it's an advantage that not a lot of people mention, but it was everything. That was the total equalizer. So you as the quartermaster, that's how you gain the respect of the rank and file. They see you reloading really quickly and they're like, that's our guy. They're like, that's our gal. It's Winch McGinch. Boy, is she hot. And you don't put up with that. You, uh, if you're a lady listening to this right now, boy, do you not tolerate any kind of leering or sideways comments from your subordinates. Any funny business? Boy, is that a headshot and a quick reload. Got another musket ball in there, no time flat in case anybody else thought they'd pick up that torch and give you a little whistle. Be like, oh, hey, winch begins. I think I can get it in one time. And you're just like, you ever heard of a missing eyeball and a quick death? And they say, what? And you're like, and that's it. As Stabby Pete, I think we understand what you do. If any of the rank and file is so bold as to 
sexually harass you. It's a bit of an odd play, but I guess it happened back then. I don't know. I wasn't there. Check that. Yes, I was. Because we are. We're there right now. Do you feel what you should be right now? Close your eyes for a second, especially if you're driving a car. And I want to engage your imagination. I want to engage all five of your senses. Imagine, first things first, taste. Imagine you just bit into a lime. It's like, whoa, all right. It's a lot of vitamin C, but I would have preferred an orange. Then think about the temp. It's sweltering in the Caribbean, but you have a very cool set of clothes on. It's just so leisurely. A lot of linen, it just breathes, right? So you're like in a really good place, even though it's pretty hot out. Take that into account. Look around in your mind's eye and just be like, whoa, seagulls? Is that a sand crab over there? What are they doing? I didn't know it was sand crab mating season. They're really going to town on one another, huh? What a show. Your ears, what do you hear? You hear the chortles and the dirty jokes of your who-gives-a-fuck shipman. It's like, yeah, did you hear about the guy who got syphilis? These are the kind of things that you would hear if you were really immersing yourself in 1693 Tortuga. What do you smell? Oh, boy, what do you smell? Some roasting meat. Meat. I won't tell you what kind. Why? Because I want you to fill in the blanks. I want you to think, oh, what's my favorite meat? And then it's that. It's that. I am a good captain. Not just of time travel, hypothetical meditations, but of a ship. Captain, positive mental attitude. Nothing gets me down. And in turn, not a whole lot gets you down either. That's what I bring to the table. So you're smelling meat. You taste a lime. You're hearing pretty colorful commentary from some really ugly, uneducated simpletons that are your employees, your middle management. They're my employees too. Okay. Cat's out of the bag. Touch. What are we doing with touch? That's what a lot of people are thinking right now. They're like, man, I just want to get my hands on something in my imagination. You run your fingers over that perfectly sanded down and lacquered railing aside the boat. That good old commandeered, hijacked Spanish galleon. And listen, if you're newer to the Darby cast, you're probably having a bit of an interesting time right now because you're like, every time this guy says, you're probably thinking about, he's heading me off and anticipating my questions in a way that is startling. It's almost concerning, but I'll leave it at startling. And that's just something that you got to come to expect on here. When I'm telling you a story, I'm going to anticipate exactly what you need to know next and what you're hoping to find out next. What's the ship called? Of course, that was your next question. Boom, gotcha. Because it's my ship and I named it Commodore Positive Mental Attitude. Captain Positive Mental Attitude. My title's interchangeable, but the ship is called NoBadDays.com. We even paint a .com on there. Nobody gets it, but we get it, right? Time travelers. We need our own inside jokes. We deserve them. We don't just need them. We deserve them. And so that's what we get. That's what we deliver to one another as favors as time travelers. Oh, yeah. So you've just shot a bunch of people in the face. Reloaded, shot other people in the face. Reloaded, somebody made an offbeat comment to you. And we all know what you did then. 
provided that your name's Wench McGinch and you're a lady listening to this. If you're a dude, Stabby Pete, and somebody made a pass at you, you kind of uh, increase the diameter of their belly button. Do you understand what, I, what I'm saying? Oh, oh, it's a bad day. But good thing the guy's going to not be alive anymore, right? Because he wouldn't be very well suited to be on the ship. Nobaddays.com. You get it? So what happens next? That's right, the beginning of the voyage. Where would we go? Slash, where are we going? If you're truly immersed in this, you are thinking to yourself, well, where to, Captain? I like that. I don't mind that. Way to bring a strong company culture to our organization. You don't find that very easily. Certainly not in Tortuga. That's why we got to outsource. We bring you from the future, right? I bring everybody into my lavish captain's chamber that has a, quite a bit of velvet in it, crushed velvet, sofas. It's really nice. I have an ink reservoir with a quill pen in it, and I've been writing a lot of notes. And you are really attentive and inquisitive, and you're like, Captain, you seem to be writing a lot of notes. What's going on? And I say, just working on some issues. And you say, what kind of issues? And I say, it's personal, and I'm not ready to talk about it, but let's talk about the mission at hand. We are going to get treasure. Surprise, surprise. That's what we do. It's who we are. You just nod to yourself. You're like, damn straight. China's sitting in there kind of eyeballing you in a way that makes you think like, one of these days something super wrong is going to happen to me because of her. And I need an exit strategy. I need to just leave this all behind. So I don't want China to do whatever she's scheming. Not to my private parts. China like almost picks up on your thought process and you give her a look like, can you read my mind? And she just kind of like licks her lips and you're like, take it easy, treasure chest, we're colleagues. There's a lot of subtext to all of the interactions going on on the boat. But that's life, right? Why would you expect that a pirate's life would be any different? A lot of interpersonal conflict, a little bit different on the resolution side. We don't handle things in the pirate ship quite like we would right now. We don't, you know, call up a couple's therapist and say, what do I do? You know, we hurt each other physically. That's the pirate's life. That's how stuff got sorted out. But I tell you about this mission and you are excited. Why? Because we're going for a home run. You build your pirate business not by swinging for the fences every time, singles and doubles, right? As a metaphor, you go for the smaller to medium-sized hauls and you kind of build methodically. You think you're just going to go straight to the top, pick up some ace treasure and then call it a life? What a boring way to handle things. And plus, that takes away from the entire ethos of pirating being a lifestyle rather than arriving at a place and being like, well, nailed it, right? But on this particular voyage, just imagine, let me do a little fast forward time travel. We've hit singles and doubles for years. We've been knocking off small schooners. We've been tanking British trade ships. We've got a lot of tea. We've got some blubber 
that we sold. That's pretty neat. We didn't kill the whales, so your hands are clean, but we did make quite a bit of money off the blubber to the lamp salesman, the lamp guy in Tortuga. Fun fact, he's the father of that child who was just a total loser. That Scuttledeck just failed. My God, Scuttledeck. Scuttledeck, you are a joke. Get out. Get into a new profession or just leave, man. Guy's tenured and everybody wants him out, but he's like, yeah, try to make me leave. It's like, better watch out. I'll send Stabby Pete after you. He'll do something pretty inappropriate to you. Let me ask you something, Scuttledeck. You like the current diameter of your belly button, or don't you? That's what I thought. But enough about that. Let's talk about the big haul that we're going for because we've established ourselves as credible pirates with a track record of success and some pretty good methods in place. Got a good organizational structure, division of labor. People know their roles, not any kind of mutinous nonsense. We haven't had to banish anybody to the Tortugan whorehouse. Truth be told, it's like, I don't know, probably a cool place for some people to be exiled. But we know, we know how disgusting that is. Just consorting with whores. But what treasure are we after? I'll tell you. The diadem of doom and the scepter of storms. Oh yeah, two things. You thought it may have been just one big treasure chest. And I'm telling you right now, we already got one. Look to my left, it's China. In peak form. She's looking okay. Like I don't think she ever really looked good, but like she's looking as good as she possibly can. Occasionally you find yourself Staring over at China, and you're like, ah, I don't know, maybe. The times got tough. You give her a go. But the Diadem of Doom and the Scepter of Storms, what do they do? Diadem of Doom. Glad you asked. Very serious artifact. Very serious. Has the ability for you to telepathically command an army of undead pirates. As soon as you place that on your head undead pirates they show up they're on the scene and what does that mean you get to fire your entire crew be like sorry guys these guys don't require any kind of compensation the company's moving in another direction guys i hate to do this i really do you're good guys ah yeah this is tough that's what you say to them that's what you're going to have to say to them as the quartermaster, right? Because I'm going to be wearing the diadem of doom. You're going to be the one delivering the tough conversations to the rank and file and being like, hey, Barnaby, you're, uh, you're out. But I got your back. And so are the undead whodunits because I command them with the diadem of doom. Very cool. What an object. What was that other object? That's right. Scepter of storms. And I think we all know what that does. You gain the powers of Poseidon and Zeus all at once. Why? Zeus could command lightning. Poseidon could control the seas. But also, what else? Seriously, look up the Homeric hymns, the hymn to Poseidon. Or if you're more into Roman mythology, that would be the myth of Neptune. Poseidon controlled earthquakes and horses. So your scepter can do that too. And what am I saying? Your scepter. It's mine. It is definitely mine. 
but you get to reap the benefits of me having undead positive attitude, pirates, and any horse that I see. I just zap them with the scepter. You get on over here. Horse, let's go for a ride. Why not? I don't think I would abuse the scepter of storms, really, is kind of what I'm trying to communicate to you right now. In 1693, in the Caribbean, I think I would really just fast track some animal husbandry and tame a bunch of beasts. And I would do that for you. Whether you're Wench McGinch or Stabby Pete, I'd be like, what kind of horse do you want? Like, let me get it for you. It'll be well behaved. You see this scepter that I have? Totally comped. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. That's what I'd say to you. So where do we find the diadem of doom, you say? And I say, good question, Stabby Pete or Wench McGinch. At this point, I kind of want you to fill in your own name so I don't have to keep saying both. And what am I saying? You're definitely already assuming that role. Anybody who's not fully in character at this point with their imagination and our time travel journey that has led us back to our wonderful Caribbean odyssey, it's like, just turn the podcast off. Get out. Get out. If you can't keep pace with this, if you can't track with this, you would be terrible at managing people, especially the illiterate who need careful instructions. Otherwise, they're going to blow it. Can you imagine having a bunch of employees who just mess stuff up all the time? Because they're like, oh, sorry, Captain. And, and it's like, that's not good enough. Barnaby, that's not good enough. You say that all the time, man. How many times am I going to cover for you? Everybody's getting pretty upset at you, pal. I can't protect you anymore. You're out. But Diadem of Doom and the Scepter of Storms, obviously on Skull Island, which is very hard to find. But you, as quartermaster, you are also handy with a sextant. You are a nimble navigator. You measure things in nautical miles. Measure speed in knots. Pretty naughty. If you ask me. But I say, all right, listen here, quartermaster. I want you and China to plot the course. We got to go to Skull Island. And you're like, well, what are you going to do, Captain? And I look at you with tears welling in my eyes and I say, I have so much going on right now. And I, I just want to let you in, but I, I can't. And you say, say less. We got you. We love you, Captain. We love you, Commodore. I'm like, I am so happy that you are my leaders on this ship. And that feels good to hear. You're listening to this podcast right now. You're like, I don't get enough recognition for my leadership skills. This, this feels really good. It's pretty overdue. I get it from the right people, but I just got it from the best person of all, Captain. Positive mental attitude. What a force. What a good dude. I would take a bullet for that guy. That's what you're thinking to yourself right now. I would take grape shot to the chest for that guy. Just 15 volleys in a row. I'd go full human shield for that captain. Has the ability to issue orders, but like will occasionally soften up and be like, today's a rough day for me, guys. Like, I just want to let you know. So if I snap at you, don't take it personal. My home life is a wreck right now. For those of you DarbyCast doctors who are longtime fans of the DarbyCast, you remembered that 
in the episode Napalm and Gatorade, I brought some key items back in time with me. And this is no different. What do I bring with me for the pirate ship? That's right. Starkiss tuna, mayo, sourdough, and some Fritos. Everybody's got a tuna sandwich on deck anytime. If you come to me and you're like, I'm hungry, boss. I'm going to fix you a quick tuna sub and be like, can't have you on a growling belly. I need you dialed in. Those are my items that I bring. You might bring something else, but now that you just heard what I would bring, you're like, wow, that's, I don't know if any other items make sense at this point. And I appreciate the humility that you just showed by capitulating that Captain Positive Mental Attitude makes incredible choices left and right. So Skull Island, you plot the course with China. Good old treasure chest. You catch yourself looking at her rack a couple times and she catches you and you're like, I don't know, I don't, sorry. And she's like, are you? I don't know how her voice sounded. I'm going to be honest with you. I probably made it a little too deep. But then again, she was raised on a steady diet of applesauce and research chemicals as a child. I don't know what that does to one's larynx, voice box. I don't know. I just, I don't know. But you in China, you plot the course to Skull Island, and I sort through my own stuff in like a really stoic and brooding way where I'm just alone in my captain's chamber by candlelight, and I come to the conclusion that it's not even about me, but I need to be strong for others. And then that's like a total mindset shift for me where I'm like, wait a second, why am I feeling sorry for myself? I've got great people in my life. Wench McGinch, so cool, so loyal, so comfortable in the linen that she's wearing. My God, it's really great. These are the thoughts that I have, okay? But we're on our way to Skull Island with your expert moves. You are just plotting the course and China's like salivating and you don't quite know whether it's because of your expertise or your body, but you're like, well, no real HR department to go to. I don't think I'm going to sort this out in any way that isn't going to lead to some sexual violence. But I see what you've done and I'm like, good job, quartermaster. And then you go and you check in on the rank and file and you distribute a couple tuna subs and Hand out the Fritos, not just all willy-nilly. You give Fritos based on merit. Who's swabbing the decks the most? Who's doing it the hardest? Who has the best attitude? I give you discretion to dish out Fritos based on your judgment. And you appreciate that. You and I make eye contact quite a few times as I'm at the helm, discoing the wheel against the unrelenting seas of the Caribbean. Tropical storms are trying to usurp our resolve and I won't allow it. And you look over and you're like, you totally have our backs. And I'm like, and you have mine. But we don't even have to say that out loud. We just know. We're pretty good friends. But it's a professional relationship first. We put a friendship on the back burner, especially at the high seas. When we're back in the port of Tortuga, Sure, are we going to share an ale and crack jokes until the turtles 
lay their eggs. It's kind of like a pirate equivalent of till the cows come home. Yeah, yeah, we do. We have a good time. But you are such a pro. I'm a pro. And that's that. So we approach Skull Island after having like a lot of key moments, a lot of key moments that strengthen our relationship or professional relationship. There's never any funny business between you and I. It's just like we are one band, one sound, right? Not off discoing on a solo. I'm not hitting the ones and twos on a turntable trying to experiment with house music, right? That makes sense to you. It should. That's it, right? And then you totally get it. So we approach Skull Island and the seas are stormier than they've ever been. Naturally, there is a magical, ancient, oceanic artifact awaiting us. So we crash because there was nothing I could do. And you know it. I wouldn't lie to you. I tried everything I could to keep that boat safe. And I just, I didn't. And I take ownership for it. I'm like, guys, I don't feel right about this. But you know, I put in my best effort. I'm not going to dog you like that. And the rank and file, they're just idiots and they don't understand. And boy, do you punish them. Because we have such a friendship. And you don't quite realize that I'm leveraging our relationship to motivate you to be a little bit more stern than you normally would. And you're starting to be a little bit ruthless, but boy, is it elevating your leadership game, right? So you see the levels to it, right? So a couple of the regular pirates, they're just mouthing off and you heard them. You heard them real bad. As this is going on and you're dishing out a heavy dosage of your personal brand of carnage, which I've endorsed fully with my silence, you look over and what do you see? Wide open treasure chest. That's right. China has her head thrown back, really wet hair, boobs are out in the open, totally soaked. You and I catch each other's eye and we're like, what? Like, damn, a little professionalism, China? It's a work day. What are you doing? But then we both realize that she's super strong and there's not a whole lot we can do to tell her otherwise. We make it to shore. A lot of your subordinates die. We don't really care much. It's okay, though. And we just start walking. It's nighttime, by the way. And our only light, these intermittent flashes of lightning. That was thunder. It's lightning and then some thunder. You understand. So we are cruising through this Caribbean jungle. You hear sounds of beasts that you'd rather not have a firsthand encounter with. We're all really brave, but bravery has its limits. But what is real bravery is over-indexing on courage, even when you feel the most scared. So we do that. We hear these howls. And the loser pirates, who are still our employees, they're not losers, but they're just not that great. They're shaking in their boots. And I look at you and a flash of lightning lights up my face and you see exactly what's going on with me. And you just take point. You look at all your guys and you're like, hey, team, act like you've been there before. Act like you're going there again, okay? You morons, you pirates. 
No more of this chicanery, skullduggery, crackery, hoopla. They haven't heard of, I think, any of these words that you just laid out. So they know you're extra serious. I, as your captain and boss, am so proud of you that you're a coachable quartermaster, but you're also really taking initiative to develop yourself. I just kind of think to myself, like, I can't take this for granted. You appreciate you because nothing ever lasts, does it? It's a thought I have to myself as we're on Skull Island, trekking through the jungle, pressing on until we come to the mouth of a cave. Spooky, right? And we all go inside, even though we're a, we're a bit scared. As well, we should be. We don't know what's in there. Everybody gets in the cave, out of the rain. I don't know if I said it was raining, but thunder and lightning, rain's pretty much implied. And as we're drying off, boom, massive cave in. Everybody but you, me, and China are dead. And I'm like, all right, well, good thing we weren't really close to them. Otherwise, this would have been pretty emotional. Am I right? And you're like, you're totally right. You're so right, man. Good job. That's what you say to me. And I'm like, we're a good trio. It's pretty cold in the cave. China, of course, is the one to be like, should we take off our clothes, avoid hypothermia? And even though it's a good idea, you nor I feel comfortable around China. We just don't. We're like, we're going to leave the pants on, but good idea, losing the shirts, the overcoats. China, spot on. We start walking. You can see a flickering light far off in the distance of the cave. We walk towards it. China starts speaking up about some experiences from her childhood. And you just snuff that out real quick. And you're like, China, just don't. Okay. I give you a nonverbal thank you. And we continue. We're walking in silence. It's cold, but the light's getting closer. Why? Because we're moving towards it. That's how movement works. In case you forgot. As we get to this light, we realize, wait a second. Why is there a torch lit in here? We're in this remote area. What the hell's really going on? In fact, you're saying this out loud, and I'm like, great analysis, quartermaster. Well done. But at this point, we have no choice. The way behind us, totally closed off. A lot of dead bodies, a lot of huge rocks. Can't get out that way. So we go forward, and we get to the mouth of an even larger almost like a room. Think of like a cavernous cathedral underground on Skull Island. And you're like, whoa, what's this? And it's a fair question. It totally is. But we go in this room and it is bright. And what's in the room? Cyclops. Lots of them. A ton of them. That's right. Giants with one eye. And they aren't a bunch of dopes, right? They don't have the disposition of Shrek, okay? They are murderers. They are thieves. They do damage. But I tell you what happens. The leader gets sight of whom? China, who's truly around kind of the same size as the Cyclops. And the guy, the Cyclops, is like, doesn't speak a whole lot of English, any English for that matter. But China just 
fires back. She's we're like, whoa, China. It was a little uh, out of left field, wasn't it? And she's like, no, it wasn't. It's like, what? Full of surprises, China. Never did I want to investigate what those surprises were, but sometimes they're okay when they just kind of happen organically. This is one of those times that I'm okay with finding out something about you. China is half Cyclops herself. That's what you find out. You're like, wow, the world is full of mysteries. That's what you say. And I high five you. Just then. We do our secret handshake. It's like, Cyclops see our handshake and what does that just earn their respect? You had no idea, right? That the true currency of Cyclopean society is friendship exemplified by secret handshakes. Currency more valuable than gold. Secret handshakes. So they're in. China takes the Cyclops leader. There's like 50 Cyclopses in here, by the way. She finds a leader, takes him into his room, and the rest is history. A lot of disgusting noises coming out of there. A lot of slurping. And, yeah, I don't even want to think about it. After that all ends, pretty quickly, like the Cyclops leader, premature ejaculator, not really a skilled lover, he whispers in China's ear, like, I got something for you. And he's like, <laughs> And she's like, both of us were like, what the fuck? In hindsight, really good call bringing China. And then out walks this Cyclops who's dressed really sexy. It's a chick Cyclops. And you never thought you'd find yourself looking at a Cyclops and being like, what's going on with that? Not bad. Whoa. Never thought you'd say that to yourself. I never thought I'd say that to myself. But the Cyclops chick just walks out and presents me with the Diadem of Doom and you with the Scepter of Storms. And we look at each other and you're like, do you want this? You're the boss after all. And I'm like, I do actually give it to me. And you do. And then I have both artifacts, even though one was a gift specifically for you. You're just totally aligned. What a great business partner. I love that. And then we have a rager with the Cyclops. We eat, we feast, we drink their hot cocoa. It's so good. And we say, do you have any more of this? China, can you translate? She's and it almost goes without saying, but I think I need to say it. China, for all of the sexual discomfort that we endured as a direct result of you, you're showing up. That's why you're the first mate. Good job. Good job. Then you pipe in and you say, I'm proud of you, China. And she just breaks down and cries. But the Cyclops don't understand that kind of emotion. And so they lose it and they just start trying to kill us. But they didn't calculate one thing. What's that? You. Dueling pistols. Quick reload time. Straight to the eyeballs. Stacking bodies. That is what you're doing. And I'm like, whoa. China's like, whatever. I got mine. Not too worried about it. 
And then we take the artifacts and the hot cocoa. We slip out the back door. And it's daytime. And it's like, where did the time go? What happened there? I press a couple buttons on my wristwatch. I was wearing a wristwatch the whole time. I could have told you it was morning already, but I didn't. I try to stay as true to the time as possible as a time traveler. Then the Nimitz time traveling aircraft carrier whips around. We get on board, you, me, and China. And we kind of have a reflective moment. We're like, we nailed this. We showed up. Nobody thought we could do it. Everybody was so negative. And then I look at you. I look you in the eye. I say, in your year-end review, I'm giving you high marks. You're getting a raise. Exceeds expectations in every category. You just wowed me. You're ready for a promotion. And so I give the artifacts to China. I give her the Diadem of Doom and the Scepter of Storms. I say, we're leaving her. We're leaving her here in the Caribbean. She belongs here, right? She belongs here. You agree with me. I say, next trip, you're going to be the first mate because of your performance. We operate our time travel We operate the time travel organization structure based on a hierarchy of competence and you have proved yourself worthy. And then you turn to me and you're like, are you ready to open up about what's really going on with you? And I'm like, don't rush my process. The end. And that's going to do it for DarbyCast Wildcard Friday. Hope you had a great time. We will be back next week. Boy, this must have been an incredibly enjoyable time for you. I can't see how it wouldn't be. This is what you get with the Darby cast. And here's my closing thought. If you really feel compelled to share this with somebody, copy the link, send it to them, and tell them that they're about to level up in their leadership skills and their ability to feel. Yeah, you just send it to somebody and you say, I think this would really do good things for you. I care about you, and I want you to have this. Merry Christmas. Belated or happy birthday. Early or belated, depending on when your birthday is. Say that to somebody. Like, this is a gift. This is something you need. This is something we all need, especially in these trying times. You didn't know what it feels like to be part of a winning team in Tortuga, 1693. Go live that for the rest of the day. However you feel right now, go bring that energy out into the world. Go live that. Go up to a stranger and just be like, I'm handy with a pistol and I'd take a couple volleys of grape shot from my captain. That person's going to know real quick that you are an A-plus person. That's it. Well, that's Darby Cast for you.